Wow. Um, Julia, before you uh, go too far, I was just asked by my five-year-old if you're a princess. <laughs> and uh, because your voice sounds like a princess. So I don't know if that's... So if you can find me afterwards and let me know. <laughs> I don't know. If, it's pretty... That's some, that's some high praise. Uh, uh, good morning and Merry, Merry Christmas to you. My name is Drew. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. And I get the joy of... Uh, Sharing uh, from the Word today and encouraging us uh, on Christmas. What a fun, fun day. I told my uh, mom, she asked, we're making Christmas plans. I said, oh, I can't, we can't go to Wisconsin on Christmas because I'm preaching. And she said, oh, you got called up. Like, I said, oh, I, in a normal church, maybe that would be. Uh, in our church, actually, we have less folks at Christmas, and we get to meet family, and it's a little different. Uh, and uh, I don't know what that would be called. Not down, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Steve, Steve's taking a break. Uh, and, uh, and actually, this I'm really excited about what we get to do, something a little different today. Um, and I'm excited to be here with you. Um, we are in a series right now called Awkward Family Photos. It's kind of our Christmas series. And uh, I was asked if I would teach uh, one of the weeks. So we've been going through different uh, people in Jesus' family, so Mary and Joseph. And they said, would you do the one on the child? And I said, you mean on Jesus? <laughs> and uh, could you preach on Jesus? And I said, I, if I can't preach on Jesus, then I guess I, I should lose my job. Because <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, the baby at Christmas grows up. It's Jesus and does some pretty cool stuff. Um, one of the traditions I grew up with, um, Christmas is kind of brings me back to growing up uh, where we, we, we pull the organ out at Christmas at church and you sing lots of hymns. And I grew up uh, uh, in little Lutheran churches and it's still, I, I, miss, I miss that one thing, just the organ and the people together. And one of the things we, I grew up with that uh, we don't get to see a lot at Hope, but today we're going to see maybe, I don't know, for one of the only times, uh, is I grew up with children's sermons. Anyone else grew up with children's sermons? The pastor like called you up front, you sat around, and he gave you a cookie or something. Well, today, uh, we're going to have a children's sermon. So I've reserved the front row. If you are a kid, um, not a kid at heart, but an actual child uh, here, I'd love for you to come down right now. So come down, grab a seat in the front row. I promise you, I will give you something. So if that helps you, come have a seat. If, if it helps your child for you to sit with them, come, feel free to come up. We have the first two rows open uh, come up and sit with, with them. I'm going to actually make my way down uh, down here so we can be a little closer. You guys can just grab a seat. You guys look great. You guys can have a seat right here in the front row. Nice work. We're just going to do this side. All right. Any other little people? There we go. You look very nice today. Bring some Cheerios. That's nice. All right. Scoot down this way so I can see you. Scoot down this way. Perfect. It's kind of nice. All right, can you guys all scoot down real close to each other like your friends? Keep scooting, keep scooting. Oh, nice. Someone wore a tiara. Beautiful. Anyone else? Beautiful. It's perfect. All right, so I, I uh, am going to share, I'm going to read a Christmas story to you, um, well, really to them. So, you're here, but it's really for them. So if you want to listen along, you can. And it's from one of my favorite things. If you were here last night, we actually read from the Jesus Storybook Bible. 
Um, and so I think we read, we read actually part of this. But I'd like to read the Christmas story, and I have questions for you, okay? So you got to pay close attention. And I promise you at the end, it'll be all worth it, okay? I have a very special reward for you. Um, I actually, the first time I ever did a children's sermon, when I, uh, when I first was working in full-time ministry, I worked in a Lutheran church, and that was my job. The youth guy's job was to do the children's sermon. So I just had to think of a million object lessons. <laughs> and a pastor I worked with said, the key is Oreos. So when they get, bring them up there, give them something sugary, and you'll be the best children's sermon or uh, preacher ever. So my first sermon ever that I did with kids, I, we invited them up, and, and I came up, and I gave them all an Oreo, and they all sat down and were eating their Oreos. And one of the kids said, thank you, sir. And then he walked back to this. T- <laughs> I said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, I just come for the Oreo. And he walked back to his, uh, his uh, pew. And then I realized, you wait to the end to give him the Oreo. So you'll get something at the end. Actually, not an Oreo, but. Um, so I, this is one of my favorites. This is one of my favorite stories ever and some of my favorite pictures ever. But because there's so many friends here today, I decided I would have to maybe put the pictures up on the screen, okay? Because if I showed you the pictures of the book, only you guys would see, and it just wouldn't be fair to everybody. So I've got the pictures up on the screen, okay? So as I'm reading, you can look right up at the screen as if I flipped a gigantic book, okay? So get comfortable, shake it out. Okay, we ready? Ready for this? I'm going to read today from a Jesus Storybook Bible um, and the story of, of Jesus and some shepherds and some wise men. Here's how our story begins. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people, just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? And what would he be like? And what would he do? The mountains have bowed down and the seas have roared. Trees have clapped their hands, but the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in, and when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. Now, there was a young girl. Anyone know her name? Yeah, what's her name? Mary is correct. Nice work. There was a young girl. She was engaged to a guy named Joseph. Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. Now, one morning, this girl, Mary, was minding her own business, and suddenly a great warrior of light appeared. See him up there? Right there in her bedroom, he was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. But the angel said, don't be scared. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, he said, as he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes suddenly filled with tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy, and you're going to call him... Okay, half you got it, right, Jesus. That's right, we'll work on that. You're going to call him Jesus. He's the God's own son. He's the one. He is the rescuer, the God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around, the God who made the universe in just one word, the one who could do all things was making himself small, very small, and coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said, as she felt her heart beating hard in her chest. How could it be? Is anything too wonderful for God, the angel said? So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed. I am God's servant, she said. Whatever God says, I will do. Well, sure enough, just as the angel had said, 
Nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town King David was from. And when they reached the little town, they found every room was full. Every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeeper said. At least that's what I imagine him saying. There isn't any place for you. Where would they stay? Soon Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere else except an old tumble-down stable. So they stayed there with the cows and the donkeys and the horses. And there in that stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows and the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born. His baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him to keep him warm. They made a soft bed with straw and used the animal's feeding trough as a cradle. They gazed in wonder as God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes, was lying in a manger. We have that one in our you have this one too? You have this book too? Oh, that's awesome. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God come to live with us, because he had come to live with us. Oh, yeah? You had a manger too in yours? Oh, that's incredible. I love it. I got a question. You ready? First question. What do you think Mary and Joseph felt like after they had their baby in a manger? What do you think? Happy? What else? What do you think? Excited? What else? Overjoyed. Whoa, that's a big word. Nice. Anything else? I bet they were pretty excited, right? Maybe tired. Maybe a tiring day. Well, there's, there's some new people who are going to come join the party, okay? Anyone know who comes and join next after the animals and Mary and Joseph? They tend to hang out in fields with smelly sheep. Who hangs out with sheep? Who? The birds? Shepherds, sorry. Not birds. Shepherds. Well, on that same night, in amongst the other stars, suddenly a bright new star appeared. And all the stars in the dark vaulted heavens, this shone the brightest and clearest. It blazed in the night and made the other stars look pale. God put it there when his son was born to be a spotlight, shining on him, lighting up the darkness, showing people the way. You see, God was like a new daddy. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting all these years for this moment, and he wanted to tell everyone. Oh, yeah? He drew. <laughs> I bet they're tired too. Look at them. Look at the shepherds up there. They look pretty tired. So he pulled out all the stops. He sent an angel to tell Mary the good news. He put a special star in the sky to show where his boy was. Now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his happy song. He's here. He's here, they said. Go and see my little boy. Now where would you send a splendid choir? You'd send it to a concert hall or a palace. Now God sent his to a hillside Outside a little town in the middle of the night, he sent all those angels to sing of a raggedy old bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside of Bethlehem. In those days, now you have to remember, people would laugh at shepherds. They would say, you're smelly, and they'd call them mean names. You see, people thought shepherds were nobodies, just scruffy old riffraff. But God must have thought shepherds were very important indeed because he brought them the good news first. That night, some shepherds were out in their fields warming themselves by the campfire when suddenly the sheep darted. They were frightened by something. The olive trees rustled. What was it? Another angel. Whoa, I got a whoa for that. Nice. They turned around. 
Standing in front of him was a huge warrior of light, blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone and everywhere. Today in David's city in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He's sleeping in a manger. Behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud, except it wasn't a cloud. It was a whole troop of angels armed with light, and they were singing glory to God, to God be fame and honor and all the hoorays. Then as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. The shepherds stamped out their fire. They left their sheep. They raced down the hill, through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobble streets, through the courtyard, down the steps, past the inn, around the corner, through the hedge, until they had reached an old tumbled-down stable. They caught their breath from all the running. Then quietly they tiptoed in. They knelt on the dirt floor, and they they had heard about this promised child, and now he was right there in front of them. You guys see Jesus up there? No? He was right there. The baby would be the bright star shining in the sky that night, a light to light up the world, chasing away darkness, helping people to see, and the darker the night got, the brighter that star would shine. I got question number two for you. Ready? How do you think the shepherds felt that night when they hung out with Jesus? What do you think? Amazed. Amazed. Is this an overjoyed again? What? Yep. Happy. What else? Surprised. What do you think? Really happy? Not just happy, but really happy? I'm with you. Now we have a third group of people. This is our final people here. There's a third group of people. Far away in the east, three clever, wise men saw the very same star. That star had put God in the sky, um, the star that God had put in the sky when Jesus was born. They knew it was a sign. A baby king had been born. They'd been waiting for this star. They knew it would come. He's here, they shouted. He's here. At dawn, they packed their camels, they wrapped their gifts for the baby, and they brought their most precious treasures, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Special, sparkly, lovely-smelling, gleaming things just for this new king. The three wise men, actually, if you'd met them, you maybe thought they were even kings because they were so rich and clever. They set off. They rode their camels. They went across deserts, up steep mountains, down deep, deep valleys, through raging rivers, over grassy plains, night and day and day and night, for hours that turned into days, that turned into weeks, that turned into months. They traveled until they reached it. Jerusalem. Were they in Jerusalem? Was Jesus in Jerusalem? No. Hmm. Jerusalem was by far the most important city for miles around. And as anyone can tell you, there's a palace there. And that's where kings are born, in palaces. So that's why they went there. They were there, they were there but in for a surprise. They went to see King Herod. Surely he'd know where the baby was. But he didn't. In fact, he didn't like the sound of a new king. It made him upset. He didn't want anyone to be king except for him. But Herod's advisors told the three wise men what was written in the books, that God had, what God had said about the baby king. Go to Bethlehem. That's where you'll find him. Suddenly the star they had seen in the, in the east started moving, showing them the way. So the three wise men followed the star out of the big city, along a road, into the little town of Bethlehem. They followed the star through the streets of Bethlehem, out of the nice part of town, 
through the not-so-nice part of town into the really not-so-nice part of town, down a little track, uh, until they stopped by a little house. But wait, that's not a palace. And there weren't any guards or servants or flags or red carpets or even a trumpet or anything. Did they get this wrong? Or is this what God meant? Sure enough, in that little house, there sitting on his mother's knee, they found him, the baby king. The three men knelt before the little king. They took off their royal turbans and gleaming golden crowns. They bowed their noble knees to the ground and gave him their sparkling treasures. The journey that had begun so many centuries before had led three wise men right here to a little town, to a house, to a little child, to the God king that David had promised. But this child was no king, uh, no, was a new kind of king. Though he was prince of heaven, he'd become poor. Though he was mighty God, he'd become a helpless baby. This king hadn't come to be the boss. He had come to be a servant. I have one last question. You ready? What does it look like if a king is bossy or if a king is a servant or he helps? So what would a helper king look like and what would a bossy king look like? What do you guys think? What would a bossy king look like? Any ideas? You ever had someone boss you around? Yeah? Did I hear a mom? Did I hear mom under someone's breath? Mom. <laughs> what do you think? They'd probably be kind of mean. What else would a bossy king do? Would he care about what? He'd boss people around. I bet a bossy king would boss people around. It's a good call. What else? What do you think? He wouldn't like people very much. He probably wouldn't care about his people. What would a helper king look like? What would a, someone who's helpful look like? What do you think? Yeah. He would care about everybody. He would care about all of his people, right? What else? He'd help. A helper king would be helpful. Use that again. Use that logic again. He'd care about Jesus. I bet King Jesus would care about Jesus. Yeah. I have something very special for you. My wife, Kelly, here is going to help us out. You want to help? Thanks. Um, I obviously asked her beforehand. King Jesus, what does a king wear on his head? What does a king wear on his head? A crown, right? And King Jesus came and set up his kingdom, and he not only made himself a king, but all of us get to be in his family. So we have some pretty sweet little crowns here. I want you to take your crown back to your seat with you. And I have little decor, I have little stickers here. And I'd like you to spend the rest of the sermon occupied. <laughs> uh, take these little, uh, here friends, take these with, take these with. Take a bag of jewels with you and go back to your seat and decorate that crown. You wear that crown to remind you that King Jesus is here and that you are part of King Jesus's kingdom. There you go. Wonderful. You want to pick one of these out? Good work. So my really smart wife, who is a teacher at heart, I said, oh, we're going to do a children's thing. I think I'm going to give them cookies. And she said, what if you gave them something that would occupy them? 
for the rest of the sermon. That's really smart. (laughs) Really smart. We do have some extra crowns if anyone's excited to wear a foam crown at Christmas. Let's start some conversations. Um, I'm going to spend just a few more uh, minutes of our day, our morning, before we sing again. Uh, But I want us to stop and think about the child king that we just heard about. Could you imagine being a people group who are waiting for a king, like a, a true rescuer king? A king who could rescue them from all the things that these people, th- these people were, were dealing with, the, the years, um, the many years, the history of generations of God's people waiting and waiting, the things that they were dealing with, and in that one moment, he's finally born, the, the stuff around them, dealing with being in exile, of being an outsider, of being lonely, or being in a confusing or maybe unstable political system. Can you imagine how that feels? There's just suffering and pain, just hopelessness. Is, is this thing that we're stuck in, is this going to end? Just an unknown future. Wondering if God is even out there somewhere or let alone is he even close to me. Maybe there's a long-bearded man on a throne somewhere who's throwing lightning bolts down at me, but for sure not close to me. Or just waiting for someone to rescue them from war and violence around them. Maybe it's not war out there, but war in here. Just self-destruction over and over, just habits that continue to hurt us hurt ourselves or those around us. Oh, a king that could rescue me from forgivelessness. I don't know if that's a real word, but I like using that word. Forgivelessness. Just a heart that doesn't want to forgive or just needing forgiveness from those around me and not coming. I need a king. Uh, they needed a king to rescue them from the power of sin and that sting of death that many, many generations have felt. Could you imagine that? Of course we can, right? Because we're still dealing with that stuff. We still feel that stuff. Could you imagine a desire in hearts of people for a true and perfect king who would have the power to defeat this evil and the power to flood love into the land and fill it with mercy and grace and justice, a king who would finally establish a kingdom, the kingdom that we desired. The kingdom we were finally ready for because we had tried out the other kingdoms and we realized none of them worked. Imagine waiting for that king, the one who will finally rescue us from all of this that isn't right, the effect of the fall from so long ago when Adam and Eve decided to go their own way. And that child comes as a baby. Not what you'd be expecting. You expect a powerful fighter marching into town with his armies to take out the bad kingdoms and establish his kingdom. And instead, God does what is not very uh, different than what he always does. 
He comes in a different way than you think and in the right way. Now, this is actually really consistent with what God has done. If you remember um, throughout history, our good God likes to take not-so-good things and make them magnificent. There's something about taking uh, things that we view as small or insignificant or weak and making them very powerful. It's as if it shows it off. Remember the story of a baby who was born, uh, who, who was found and floating in a river in a basket named Moses, who he used to free his people from slavery? Not who we expected. A, or maybe a shepherd boy who was used to, to take take down the giant no one else could take. In fact, the giant no one else even attempted to take because he was so giant. Remember that, that little boy? Or how about the Jewish girl named Esther who was used to save her people from genocide? That was a wild story. Not who we expected. God used it in a pretty magnificent way. And now his, God himself comes as a baby and will rescue his people from slavery the slavery of sin. He will defeat the giant known as death and he will finally rescue his people from their doom. It really isn't different. It's as if God's kingdom runs on a different economy of power and justice and love and mercy and we continue to forget, oh, it works differently than all this stuff that doesn't work works. And today we get to celebrate that king that baby who came in as a king. We see this in, in Philippians. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with man something to be used in his own, to his own advantage. Think of a, a king, a mean <laughs> king who was all about himself, could just stay on his throne. But he says, no. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeliness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So our God comes not as a mighty warrior into town to take out the king, using the same tactics and the same strategies that the kingdoms around him use, but he has a different way of doing it. And he comes and humbles himself and comes as a, a child and in fact, humbles himself not only to be a child, but to die for his people on a cross. And therefore, after that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A lot of the, a lot of the uh, Christmas carols we sang today had that phrase that our knees would bow to him. Do you see this? There's kind of a curve here happening. So God is up high. He decides to come down very low. Comes in as a child. This is what we're celebrating Christmas, right? And then, and then he dies on a cross. Not only does he come as a child, but he lives a life, showing us what it looks like to live in his kingdom, to live a right life. And then he dies on a cross, and then from there, it sh he goes back up to being king of all, our knees can bow to him because he is finally a true and right king. And it being Christmas, and uh, they're not really being a proper holiday for the book of Revelation. I feel like we should maybe celebrate the book of Revelation 
today. We, we get Easter in the church, right, with the crucifixion. We get Christmas for the birth. And I think if we're talking about a time when our God comes as king to save his people, we should not neglect the next time our God comes. I actually had, had made a slide of, uh, of, of Revelation 19, just the, the words from Revelation 19. And I realized they were so PG-13, and this would be one of the few services we have a lot of kids. I thought, I don't know if I can read about how bloody and intense this is. Uh, I felt like bad. I don't want kids to have nightmares because of Revelation 19. Um, do you remember this, though? Jesus comes back again. And this time doesn't come as a, as a baby. Doesn't come in a manger and isn't swaddled. Doesn't need the help of his parents. Doesn't learn woodwork from his dad, Joseph. This time, um, Jesus comes in on a horse. It says with a sword coming out of his mouth. This is the best. And he has the name, he has King of Kings tattooed on his thigh. <laughs> it's a different scene, right? And not only is it him, it says he is, he is uh, joined with an army of angels behind him. And they don't just roll into town to say like, hey, what's happening? Do you like my horse? He rolls into town to destroy evil once and for all. And he, he, he takes out Satan once and for all. So the loneliness, the brokenness, the, the distance we feel from God, the, the yuck, the sadness um, is gone. It says there never will be a tear again. So in the day that we celebrate the coming of our Lord, I think we should, we get to like celebrate the future also coming of our Lord. And that is the great hope that we get to rest in today. That the reason we celebrated Jesus today, being born in a manger, is because we also get to celebrate that one day he will be back and he will put an end to all of this. He will put an end to forgivelessness and distance. He'll put an end to hard relationships. He'll put an end to the awkward family, dinner thing, conversation, have to impress people, but don't want to impress people, but I'm sick of being asked what I do now. He puts an end to that, right? He puts an end to fruitcake and other horrible things that come from the beast. He destroys that beast. Satan may no longer make fruitcake. Or that thing that grandma makes that's not good, but we all have to eat it. He puts it into news feeds, right? Facebook probably won't exist, I would guess, because I don't know what in there is good. <laughs> um, this Christmas, when you say, ugh, I don't, I don't like this, you can say, oh, thank God you came and thank God you're coming again. I live in a hope that I have a king who has a kingdom that I am a part of. And he has invited me to and not only invited you, but made you heirs with him. That is great hope today. And that's why we celebrate today. Not because there's a baby in a manger, but because that baby grew up and died and, ro and rose and one day will come back and destroy all that is wrong. So today... Uh, as I, as, as I wrap up here, I want to ask you the question, will you live as a son and daughter, as a prince and a princess of that kingdom, rescued and redeemed in a kingdom ruled by a good, good king who loves you dearly, who is powerful and gracious? Live in a hope that is bigger than suffering and your family moments that are just awkward or hard 
bigger than unknown political futures, bigger than tearful days and nights and loneliness. Can we cling to King Jesus today, resting in the hope of a day when he will return and make things all right? As Jesus' storybook Bible says, he will make everything sad become untrue. That's good news, friends. I want to leave you with this as they, uh, Tim and Julia come back up to lead us in a little more worship. I want to just leave you with the end of uh, our Jesus Storybook Bible. They actually have a version of Revelation 19 that's a little sweeter, a little less bloody. Let me leave you with that as we uh, close our time here together. I see a throne, and on that throne is a king. The king is Jesus. All around the throne are people bowing down. They are giving their treasures. They are loud cheers and clapping, clapping and bright laughter like thousand waterfalls. Everyone's bursting out in a new song. This is our king, the lamb who died, so we don't have to die. Our rescuer, all honor and glory forever and ever. And every creature everywhere in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea joins in. And then from all around, a wide, immense, beautiful silence. And I see Satan, God's horrible enemy. And our king throws him down and defeats him. I see a sparkling city shimmering in the sky, glittering, glowing, coming down from heaven. And from the sky, heaven is coming down to earth. God's city is beautiful. Walls of topaz and jasper and sapphire. Wide streets paved with gold gleaming pearl gates that are never locked. Where is the sun? Where is the moon? They aren't needed anymore. God is all the light people need. No more darkness, no more night. The king turns to us. He says, look, God and his children are together. No more running away. No more hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying because all these things are gone. They're gone forever. Everything sad has become untrue. And see, I've wiped every tear from every eye. And then a deep, beautiful voice that sounds like thunder says from the sky, Look, I'm making everything new. <laughs>